everyone. Welcome to our Rocky Start Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Argot. Thank you for joining me today on the show. On the Rocky Start Podcast, I talk sports with the guests, but we do much more than that here. We actually get into the guest background on what got them started in sports. Today's guest is Heidi Andral. Heidi is a sports reporter over at ESPN and Fox Sports, where she covers mostly combat sports. She covers boxing and UFC, and she has had over 10 years of experience working with major networks such as Showtime and the NHL Network, and she's bringing all that experience on the show today. Heidi has been doing some amazing stuff on her own time during COVID. She is now the founder of the Broadcasters Lab, where she is creating courses to help future broadcasters. She tells us a little bit about that on the show, as well as how to overcome imposter syndrome, and most importantly, how she had no idea what she was doing when she first got into sports media and how she figured it out so quickly and she adapted on the fly. Heidi is truly amazing. I love her energy. She has been one of my favorite guests so far because the amount of energy she brings, she's been incredible. I hope you guys enjoy this episode with Heidi. But before we get to Heidi, here's a message from Atlas Menswear. Are you an athlete who has a hard time finding clothes that fit right? Muscular men have very few options in clothing brands, especially when it comes time to dressing up and looking nice. Atlas Menswear has the perfect solution for you. With innovative clothing made specifically for athletic and muscular men, you'll look good and feel great. Try their competitor series button-up shirt with athletic stretch, room for your chest, and a flattery taper to your waist. Go to atlasmenswear.com and use promo code ROCKYSTART at checkout for 20% off your entire order. Again, that's promo code ROCKYSTART. Now here's your episode with the amazing Heidi. Actually, sure. So what, what, what exactly have you been doing? Well, uh, so in terms of what, what I was referencing with, with what the kind of synergy between what you're working on and, and your podcast, uh, I started last week this, this Fail Fast Friday, and um, it's kind of very much about adversity and celebrating failure as opposed to um, not talking about it because it's embarrassing or negative and kind of celebrating those failures because without them, we wouldn't have lessons. And so each Friday, I'm like looking to talk about the gold that's come from failure in my life. So that's pretty in line with your stuff based on the description I read in your podcast. Yeah, and definitely. I mean, I think one reason I started the podcast was, you know, I think we all take risks in our own lives, uh, whether if, you know, if we're if it's sports, you know, entrepreneurs or anything of that nature, we all, you know, sometimes we are f- afraid to fail, which is completely normal as human beings. And I don't think we do enough of that nowadays. I think um, maybe if whether it's social media or w- the world that we live in, I think we are kind of a, afraid to fail now. And I think uh, yeah. if you think about it, when we were kids, we weren't afraid to fail. Like we weren't afraid to walk. We you know, welcomed it, you know. And up until I think about age 17 or 18, I think we always kind of welcome failure. It's just something that we did as learning. I think as adults, we don't learn as much. So I think that's one reason why I started the podcast is like to kind of tap into that and, you know, help, you know, people that are trying to get to where, you know, we are, you know, trying to just start out whatever it is in general. But yeah, I love, trying to, I love. to get something done, to, you know, in the face of, you know, so much adversity in the world period right now, there's, you know, I think that that's heightened 
our sensitivity to it to some degree. And some people just want to like go in their closet and shut the door and <laughs> not come out. <laughs> I don't blame them during this time. Right. But, um, but it's also like this incredible opportunity to make change right now. Life is, you know, not what we knew it to be one year ago. So yeah. it's different anyway. So why not embrace that and and look at it through a glass half full perspective and find ways that you can make a shift in your life uh, for the better. Yeah, and I totally agree. As a, as a reporter, how have you been able to do that during quarantine? Well, it's been crazy, but um, I've been working, which is, I'm very blessed and I recognize I'm in a very blessed bubble, but uh, I, so I was in, on my way to Brazil when the world shut down working for the UFC and literally in mid flight, the, you know, college basketball March Madness was canceled. Like from the time I took off to the time I landed, it was like an entirely new world. And uh, I had a connection in Miami. So before I left the country, I messaged my boss and I was like, are we still having a show in, in Brasilia? Like, is this still happening? And he wrote me back right away and he said, yes, it's happening. There probably won't be fans, which at that time was like a foreign thought. Right. And um, so there, I went there, I worked the show. It was completely surreal. Uh, there was, there you know, and when you've been in an arena in Brazil, you know, like how passionate the people are there for their sport. And it was so crazy. But anyway, so there's that. And then, and no one in Brazil was taking it seriously. So I like had Clorox bleached my room, put the do not disturb <laughs> sign on and kind of didn't leave there until I had to go to the arena each day, but it was nuts. And then we, the UFC came back quickly. Right. Like we really didn't take a very long break. So uh, I was fortunate to continue to work. It, and then boxing, we came back, I guess, two months ago. And that was, it's still all very different. You know, you have to get quarantined. I've had like 37 COVID tests. I, you know, <laughs> for, for PBC and Fox, the California State Athletic Commission requires that we wear a mask and gloves on the air. Nevada does not. So there's all these things, but um, I'm working. I'm working this weekend. I'm working next weekend. So it's good. It's all good, but it's definitely different. It's not, it's not at all what it was. No. Yeah. I can imagine. And it's hard to see what is going to, you know, when things are going to go back to normal. Do you have any perspective on that? I don't think it'll go back to normal ever. I don't oh. think we are. I think it's going to become a new normal. I don't think that this is the new normal. Um, I, you know, I like to say, I like to think that, our kids will be back in school learning after the first of the year that like to me is, I hope that happens. Um, at least here where I'm at, my two older kids are downstairs virtual learning right now. So if you hear pots and pans or whatever, <laughs> the dogs snoring over here, we've got all the, <laughs> it's a whole thing going on here. But um, I think that this has uh, woken a bunch of people up. And so, uh, you know, I don't know that, that you can go back after that. Like, do you, do you mean like by fans being in the arena or just how do you mean? I just mean in general as a human population, but in terms of sports, I think, I think we are seeing that, like, you know, we're seeing some fans in the buildings. Uh, I'm going to be working my first event with fans December 5th, which is the, a pay-per-view fight at Dallas Cowboys stadium. 
for Fox. And that is um, the first time I'll be back with fans. So it'll be interesting to see what that's like. Uh, I don't know what the like distancing situation is. I know that for us as broadcasters already, it's strange because we have a Zone A, a Zone B. Zone A is like next to, you know, has interaction with the athletes. Zone B does not. So they don't have to have as rigorous of testing and quarantine and masks and all that. So um, I'm curious. I don't know how it's going to play out. I hope it goes back to somewhat of normal because that's like, you know, as a, as a journalist, you know, or uh, the, you feed off other people's energy and right. for, the, for the athletes, for the broadcast crew, for everybody, it's just when you don't have that energy, it's hard to manufacture it for television. And it's uh, so I hope it goes back soon. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I think after observing all the sports um, like baseball, football, basketball and, you know, watching even the Lomachenko fight a few weeks ago, yeah. watching all the interactions there, it's it's. You could definitely tell that's what it's missing. It's missing the fa- the one-on-one interaction, the crowd. It really brings a tremendous difference, you know, whether it's USC or boxing. Yeah. Th- that is the biggest thing that's missing for sure. Yeah, the fans are what fuel that you think about, especially in, in these two sports, right? It's like it's an individual sport. So you don't have a team to, like, hype you up in the back, you know, limited your – what you may have had before, like four or five people, 10 people in your dressing room. Now you're allowed to, you know, it's, it's definitely changes the, the game for a fighter, I think. Oh more yeah. Than, more than anybody. A hundred percent, hundred percent. I want to go back a little bit and talk about your story. So how did you get started as a reporter? Totally randomly. And it's like, I'm so old now that it happened. <laughs> so long ago. I, um, I turned 40 this past week. You, I'm like, oh. you, look, you, you look great. You know, I promise you do not look 40. I'll take it. <laughs> um, no, I, I started with hockey. I started in the, um, with the Los Angeles Kings way back in the day. Um, and I had no clue what I was doing. Oh, here comes my dog. He's passing through a big chocolate oh, no, no. bath behind me. Dog, um, dogs are welcome on this podcast. <laughs> Harry. <laughs> Harry. Uh, so, I started in 2007 with the LA Kings. And like I I was saying before the dog interrupted me, I uh, had no experience. I was hired actually to be a live events host for like an arena, you know, where I'd go around and interview fans and that kind of thing. And I took the job because I I knew that it was going to lead me more interesting places, but I didn't want to be a live events host if I'm being real. And, um, because that scared the shit out of me. I was like, you mean I go in an arena and talk on a microphone in front of 20,000 people live on like a big jumbotron. And like, (laughs) that was like my worst fear. And, um, so I, the first day on the job, I, I had a little cubicle in the back and it was the Kings at the time, their buildings were separate. Some were downtown, like the sales and marketing was downtown. The team was in El Segundo. I was working out of the offices in El Segundo. So, you know, the front office staff, like the general manager and everybody was there. So, um, and the communications like director and PR people. 
So I went back to my little cubicle and there was a Panasonic DVX 100 camera with two mini DV tapes and a charger. And I was like, okay. <laughs> All right. And because, you know, you, you, there are only so many games. The games hadn't started. It was preseason. They're like, well, we thought maybe we could create some content for the website. And um, they had great goals of kind of rivaling what the MLB had done with bringing video online. So if you remember back then, there really wasn't any video online, which is crazy to think that in a, you know, just over a decade, how much has changed. But so, yeah, we we had no online video player or anything like that. So we were, uh, I was in the back. <laughs> I went down the hall and I said, well, okay, I'm new here. I'm just going to go introduce myself to everyone. Well, um, I had no idea who these people were. And <laughs> I walk, so I walk in, this guy looks at me like, who the hell is this woman? And what is <laughs> And I said, hi, I'm Heidi. I'm new here. Been hired to be the live events host for the Kings. And the guy's like, okay, nice to meet you. <laughs> little, little did I know that was the GM. Like I had just barged in his office, Dean Lombardi at the time. And he was just like, uh, okay. Great. And then I went to the next office and that was the, you know, like it was just, I remember that day I was so naive and I'm so glad I was because I was just bold. I just, I thought, Hey, I'm new here. I'm just going to go say hi to everyone. And, um, I think if I had known, I would have never had the guts to go into those offices, you know, but it worked out. And so long story short, I went down in the locker room. I started filming all this stuff with this camera, called my buddy who was an editor and uh, he was an editor for like trick my truck or something, you know, back in the day. <laughs> and I said, Brian, I have these tapes and I don't, and I'm like, I don't know how to edit them. He goes, okay, come on up. I went to his house in Burbank from El Segundo and we would edit these little pieces. And then um, we put them online and then Fox West called and said, hey, we love these little vignettes you guys did during training camp. Can we use them on our air? And uh, our my boss at the time, Mike Altieri, said, yeah. And I said, but if he's like, he, you should throw to them. And I said, yeah, if you let me throw to them, you can use them. And so for 13 games, it was the intermission report. Hi, I'm Heidi. Here's a look. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> Yeah. And that was how I started. So, and then Dean actually became one of the greatest mentors and used to drop like Lombardi, the GM after that day, he thought I was nuts. So I think he liked that I was nuts. And so he used to bring me salary cap equations to figure out like at five thirty at night, he'd drop it on my desk. He'd be like, have it on my desk in the morning. And it was just so interesting. I learned so much from, I got to sit in on the draft conversations. I got to have, uh, the Kings were like an incredible family and they still are to me. Every single one of those people who I've worked with, I still feel like close were, with. Were and you there when they won? So <laughs> I left that year and, um, you have to remember, like I walked in in 2007, eight, we had six goaltenders on our roster. And that was like, we, there wasn't a winning game. I feel like I didn't walk into a winning locker room once <laughs> that year, you know? And then fast forward to the year I leave and they win the cup. And I was like, oh, it, 
<laughs> and so they were so kind though. And because um, I was working for the NHL network at that point and um, right. doing other, doing UFC and doing boxing for Showtime. And uh, the, they were so kind and they allowed me to return to work the parade with Patrick O'Neill and Jim Fox and Bob Miller. So I got to come and sit and, and host the parade for Fox West, which was really nice. Yeah, that's awesome because even the Kings, I think it was 2012, they weren't supposed to win that year. Uh-uh. Uh, they came that out of the woodworks. Awesome. Was, I was like, oh my gosh, I would have had a ring. <laughs> <laughs> do, they give, do they give you guys rings too? They, I didn't get one because I wasn't a part of the actual organization, but I, I, it's fine. It, it was like, I got to work the parade. That was enough for me. I was like crying on TV. It was just, you know. <laughs> So they they actually give the they actually give the um, whole staff yeah. a ring too. Mm-hmm. They do. Oh wow, that's that's pretty impressive. Yeah. So, so when you left the Kings, go to the NHL Network. How how soon after did you get into working with Showtime? So I went to work with the NHL Network um, fairly shortly after I took the job at the Kings. The Kings were so amazing, and um, the NHL loved the content we were producing. So they had asked me to do some stuff for them as well while I was at the Kings. And then um, I was able to go out and work the playoffs in New York at the the store there um, where the, the studio is, the radio studio, and got, went up to Toronto back and forth, did some stuff with them then. And then trying to remember the timeline, I think it was like 2010 that I started doing uh, Strike Force and Showtime. Um, 11, sure. 10 or 11, somewhere in there. And then uh, when Strike Force was acquired by the UFC, I was fortunate enough to be packaged with the deal and, you know, able to go over and cover the UFC on Fox. So, and then now the UFC is on ESPN and I've been fortunate enough to continue along and be able to be a part of it there as well. Growing up, were you always like a big sports fan, whether it was uh, MMA, boxing, or like hockey and all that were you always a big sports fan yeah I was a big sports fan I played sports um I never thought I would ever work in this business that wasn't like what I I didn't grow up as a little girl dreaming I mean prior to this I worked in the aerospace business selling filtration systems for helicopters oh wow random right uh pivot I did a lot of that in my life um I I just think I like to what we were talking about earlier. I think I've always been a risk taker. And um, so while I was a sports fan and I grew up playing sports and hockey was like a religion, I'm from Michigan and my grandfather, you know, was a boxer. So I think somewhere in there, even though I never saw him box, I think that was like in my DNA somewhere. Uh, But, but I think I just was a risk taker. I think I always saw was willing to see past the low paycheck in the beginning or the, and thought, wow, I can learn something here. This is different. This is something I don't know. I love a good challenge for the good and the bad. And um, so I think, you know, those qualities are what got me into the, into the space in the first place. Yeah. Cause when you're working in aerospace, were you already living in Los Angeles at the time? Mm-hmm. I was. I was actually living in San Francisco. I had a, an apartment in LA, an apartment in San Francisco. I was a national sales manager for a big company. We did 
military and government procurement. I was in like Washington and selling to the border patrol and the, the police and the military. And um, so it was <laughs> a big pay cut when I took the job with the LA Kings. And, uh, but I thought, wow, this is, I, I remember saying, and I've said this on Potty House before, but I remember being at like a bar and with a group of friends watching a hockey game, Red Wings probably. And, um, and I remember saying out loud, I think I could do that job. Like I, you know, it was one of those things where if you knew me, you know, I don't really say, I was always kind of nose down, do your job. Don't ask for help. Don't put things (laughs) out there that sound ridiculous. You know, don't, don't make a fool of yourself um, and kind of stay in your lane. And when I was a kid, that was like all the things that I was taught. Right. And so for me that day, I remember vividly saying that out loud. And after I did, I was like, I think I truly believed that in my soul. Otherwise it wouldn't have happened. But then all of a sudden, all of these things just like, randomly kept started coming into my life, like opportunities, like going to a hockey game where I would meet all the executives from the, the LA Kings and Bauer and the NHL. And like, it was like all these things just started flooding into my life because I spoke those words outside out loud and I believed it at the same time. So sounds random, but I truly believe that was the kickstart for, for my career. Yeah. You know, and it's like when there's a will, there's a way like, Nowadays, podcasting is big. You know, I think it's going to get even bigger within this next five years of the route it keeps going in. And and then, you know, back when you had mentioned 2007, me, or there was barely any media on, on websites. That's unheard of now. You know, it's everything is yeah. pretty much media driven. And I think it's awesome that you're able to pivot so quickly into something like that and, you know, find your, your way and find your niche. What kind of advice would you have for somebody trying – to get into sports nowadays? So I would say, first of all, you're lucky that you're getting into sports nowadays because (laughs) there are so many opportunities for you to do this. There are platforms, there are social media sites, there are channels, there are methods in which you can do it if you want to do it. So that didn't exist back when I started. So uh, you've got that going for you. That's the the first thing I'll say. The second thing is you have to you have to have the confidence in yourself, and sometimes that takes work. And uh, you know, we as people, I think often, especially in this business, it's easy to get down on yourself. It's easy to think you're not good enough. It's easy to think that someone's more skilled or more educated or looks better in front of the camera. But at the end of the day. When you, if you take all that away and you put your blinders on and you work hard and you really learn your craft, you can do it. (laughs) Um, But you've got to get through that, that imposter syndrome and that confidence jumble, that obstacle that's, that's going to be there for a lot of people. So um, work on yourself from like the ground up. I think that's important before you, before you dive in. Yeah, you, you mentioned imposter syndrome. I think that's a big thing that some people don't even know about sometimes. It's mm-hmm. like, you know, it's like, like how am I here? You know, I, I'm not supposed to be here. And, you know, some people will tell, tell themselves that. I have been a victim of that, you know. It's yeah. definitely a hard thing to overcome. How, how did you uh, overcome that? 
I'm just starting to overcome it. Uh, it, It's uh, one of those battles that's been ongoing. And frankly, I think it's uh, held me back from what my true potential was. I'm just bummed that it took me 14 years to figure it out. So that's like why I say it's so important for new to the business, journalists, sportscasters, podcasters, frankly, whatever business you're in, to kind of silence that voice, find a way to silence that voice. Um, I'm actually creating a a course right now for all about that, Um, kind of the things, the methods that I've learned over the years to finally have been able to do it. Um, But I'm not going to say it's easy. There's always going to be that that moment where you second guess yourself, um, but it's how you pick yourself up from that moment and flip the switch. Um, right. I think also competition is so such a part of you know sports, and it's what we do, right? Competitive sports. But when you can take the competition out of your career and know that there's a place for everyone, it is the most freeing thing in the world. Um, and I think. You know, for me as a woman, I was always watching my back. I was always saying, oh, that person's going to, you know, want my job or, oh, I want that job. You know, like it's human to feel that way. Right. But um, once I realized that there's a place for each and every one of us to have this job, why am I getting worked up about it? Why am I <laughs> fueling this like fear and negativity and like, you know, that, um, where is that coming from? Once I kind of dove into that a little bit and stopped being afraid of it, uh, it was, again, really freeing. Has there ever been a time where sports has helped you get through a rocky start in your life? Like you, you had mentioned, you know, your grandpa was a boxer growing uh, when you're growing up and, uh, you know, that sort of inspired you. Did any of like those moments ever inspire you as a kid or as a teenager? Uh, my grandfather specifically not his boxing because he came back from world war two with um, a couple of purple hearts. So he never boxed again. Um, But him as a human, his like just resilience and joy that he had for life was a lesson in itself. And I, he passed away a long time ago, but he's truly uh, someone that helped form me to be the person I am today. And I'm grateful for that. But in terms of sports, I was a hurdler. I ran track. I said this the other day um, on my Instagram live. I chose an event which was to run as fast as I could at an obstacle, jump over it, <laughs> and then or attempt to jump over it and often fall and then have to get back up to get over the finish line. And I don't think there could have been a more like poetic thing uh to embody what my career has been like than the fact that I was a hurdler like it was I used to fake injury to have to not do the 300 hurdles it was like I was like oh man my hamstrings today I can't do it and my coach would be like yes you can you're fine get up I even think I got uh, like I got a little piece of the track from my high school because I spent so much time face first on it uh I was never that you know I was an average hurdler, to say the least. Yeah. But um, but that yeah, I got the scars to prove it. That taught me the power of team. That year, those years of my high school track, those were like, you know, we had we 
we went really far. We won regionals or something. You know, I grew up in a very small rural community and um, our coach went on to do great things. He coached football, I think somewhere else in the state in one state, like he's gone on to do great things, but he, he had us all lined up because so many of the events were individual. He would have us broken up and we'd all be on the infield, like, you know, a hundred yards away from one another, all the way around anytime one of our events was happening. So people would be cheering on those people, as opposed to just like sitting there eating, you know, cheese and crackers in the middle of the infield, we would be, we never sat down. We were always, so I think that taught me just like the power of having a good team around you and how that can make a huge difference. Yeah. That's tremendous. Always having that like positive reinforcement, you know, whether if it's your family in your corner or your friends, you know, always rooting you on. I think we all sort of need that, you know, it's like we could, there's always so much that we could do and, you know, the positive reinforcement within our own, but it's, it's great to have it when you have that supporting cast around you, just like, a, you know, if you're a basketball team or anything like that. Yeah. And you know what, you're um, like, we live in a world where social media drives our culture and it is, I, I'm terrible at it. I don't like it. I've never, I've found it to be so like breeding so much negativity and false. It's overwhelming. Yeah. And so I'm working on it. (laughs) I'm working on it. And I realized that it's just equally as important to attract people as it is to repel people. Right. I think that's a great lesson to learn early on also is that it's okay. You know what? You don't need the 10 million followers who are not there to support you. If all they're going to tell you that is that you're fat or ugly or you don't belong there, like really, do you want that in your community? So I think it's equally as important to just like repel those people um, out of your life as soon as possible because they they hurt with the imposter syndrome down the line. Yeah. Um, but the community in terms of find your person, it doesn't have to be 10 people, just find your person who's going to be honest with you and who's going to have your back. And that's all you need. You just need one. It's it's true. And as you mentioned, the social media does get over. It gets overwhelming. Even like, you know, I think LeBron James, when it comes to playoff time, he turns it off because, you know, there's yeah. there's trolls. Okay. There, there are people Most that. Most your athletes do. <laughs> yeah. And they, they want, they have trolls and they, people want to see them fail. They just want to talk about, you know, one moment that you failed or, you know, they, but it's like there are a lot of people out there that are cruel that will just say stuff to say stuff, you know, because they. Oh, it's terrible. I Twitter, Twitter, I turned off 10 years ago and I've posted maybe 25 things in the past decade. I, I'm working on changing that because now my mindset's different. It used to be that I didn't want to go on there because I just didn't want that kind of abuse, you know, right. which um, and I always say like social media kind of stunted my growth to some extent because I took all of that negative stuff and I gave the power to the two assholes who would say negative stuff. And (laughs) I'd forget about the amazing support that I was getting from all the other people. I was like, it's, it's just the way we think, right? We immediately gravitate to the negative. Some, I think often opposed to the, you know, the great, wonderful people who are there to support you. So I've flipped that switch recently, which is good. Yeah. And same here, you know, I, I, 
I went on Twitter in like 2012 and I just got it back last month. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Every, everyone's been telling me you have, to have, you have to have the presence, you know, like with the world that, you know, you're already in that I'm trying to get into. It's like, you know, you want to make sure that your content's being spread around to where people can find you, you know, so you yes. can build it. You it's know, important. It but as, as you'd mentioned, it's, it's going with your, with your, uh, like how you're branding yourself. I think it's really smart. Yeah, you know, it's it's a great thing. You know, I think you need to own all your handles to where people can find you, especially if you're trying to get into some piece of media or have some sort of online presence. You need to have, you know, your um, your handles kind of locked down to where people can find you, where your followers, you know, everything, you know, of that sort of nature. It's like it's all good to be found under one thing. And, you know, there's a, a lot of great things out there yet. Um, is there for um, going into fighting? Uh, is there any is there any uh, fighters that you really like nowadays? Whether if it's boxing or an MMA, who your who some of your favorite fighters? Uh, for different reasons, I like like people from from a from a people perspective. I I like people differently than I like fighting style. You know, okay. so they don't always intersect. Like Daniel Cormier, I guess he would be an example of where those two meet and. Amazing, and I've known him since Strike Force. How could I left him out of that? Jorge Masvidal also was in Strike Force. Like, um, I actually love that Jorge's just kind of come into his own and started opening his mouth, just <laughs> building this like brand of his own. Um, but Daniel has always been one of my favorites. I've known him a, a very long time, a decade. Um, I. You know, let me think for a second. In terms of uh, boxers, you know, Floyd's always been really good to me. Really, really, uh, you know, some people don't like him and his persona and what he, you know, he stands for. But I actually think he's a really nice guy. Um, And so, and then Deontay Wilder and Tyson Fury. I've I've only met Tyson one time, but um, I've had a chance to sit and have conversations with Deontay and he's one of the most cerebral fighters you'll meet. Um, very intelligent, very in tune with his, his self. Um, and like Adam Kovnatsky, I just think is like awesome. His sweetheart. He, he's a uh, cool guy. I hope that, um, uh, I hope Wilder and Fury, I, hope, I know they've been talking about a, a possible rematch. I hope they do. Have a rematch soon. No, it's supposed to be on Fox. It's supposed to be our show. So I hope so too. I'm ready for um, you to get it. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was, you know what? It was so with COVID, it's like they, the, I think what they'll, they'll see what happens with December 5th at Cowboy Stadium, Errol Spence and Danny Garcia. And then we'll see how like the fan thing works. And take it from there. But I think, you know, it'd be nice to get another Pacquiao fight too, you know, maybe in early January, perhaps we'll see that this, this division is so stacked. There's like right. so many fights that need to happen. And um, so I'm just hoping that it all comes together. Yeah. Cause Pacquiao was talking about f- fighting Spence, you know, I think it was sometime last year and then now all this happened. So it- Mikey Garcia and like, there was a whole bunch of chatter before no. COVID. So, yeah. yeah. Who do you, uh, after the next fight, do you think Lomachenko and uh, Lopez might come back for another rematch or do you think they're going to move on? I think they're going to move on. Yeah. Sad. I, yeah. That's such an anticipated you know, fight. That's my, 
That's my hunch. Yeah, I'll go on that. Is there any fights that you're looking forward to uh, besides? I'm really looking forward to Spence Garcia. I'm really excited uh, December 5th because we're going to see Errol Spence obviously had that terrible, tragic car accident. Uh, and it'll be his first fight back. And so I'm excited to see what he looks like. I mean, I talked to Derek James a while ago. I actually am supposed to, I'm supposed to have a phone call with them. I got to reach out to them today. Uh, again, to get a more current update. But the last time I spoke to him, he said he's like, totally in shape physically it's just you know will be a matter of how he shows up mentally yeah that's a that's a tough thing because that was a that was a gruesome you oh, know. he's so lucky to be alive oh my gosh he had yeah. like serious angels serious yeah and yeah. uh it's a, i'm glad, glad that he's okay and he's able to even you know come back to the ring and you know oh. put it out there so it's going to be yeah. a tremendous like- story for him to come back I'm I'm hoping to see you know Manny you know is is able to come back and fight sometime probably next year. Yeah, I mean that fight with Manny and Keith Thurman was like just insane, and I don't think anyone expected it to be that good. Yeah, I mean it was tremendous. I thought, I mean when Manny knocked down Thurman, or you know, and then Thurman kind of bouncing back, it was you know it was, it was a really fun yeah. fight to watch because Thurman right. just didn't sit there; he actually bounced back, and it was a really great fight. He's another like really humble guy that, you know, after that fight, he was so gracious with his interview. And yeah, I mean, we have, it's, it's interesting because you think about fighters, right? Like they seem to be the career they've chosen is so like brutal, (laughs) Uh, but at the end of the day, they're actually the, most of them are the kindest people you'll meet just in terms of athletes, like, you know, you go, I've worked the gamut of sports and there's no better story, at least than a fighter story. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's, I actually, I got this, my name of my podcast from Rocky, you know, I was a big, yeah. big Rocky fan growing Like I've probably seen the movies tens of thousands of times. I, I don't remember, but it's, uh, you know, the whole Rocky story, you know, I, I feel like always fighters always have that kind of story because in boxing or UFC, it's always, you know, one shot could just ruin your whole career. You know, it's, it's, you know, to get that opportunity, always there's an underdog story within it. And that's why I, that's why I love the name. And, you know, cause I think everyone that comes on, I think everybody has an underdog story, whether it's you, whether it's me or, you know, whatever guest that comes on in the future, everyone's been there. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think it's great to remind people of that, that even the people who you, put on a pedestal have been at the very bottom at some point in their life. And um, I think it's great to celebrate that and make it human. Yes, exactly. Hi, would you like to plug your uh, course? Where can we find your course and uh, where can we find more about you? Well, it's, it's currently in the works. It'll launch in February. Uh, it's called the, it, you can find it on HeidiAngel.com. I'm building a website. Don't judge. I'm building it myself. Uh, (laughs) And um, it's called the broadcaster lab. And I'll have one, the first one that'll, um, that'll be out there is regional reporter to network success. Um, So it covers all levels of the business um, from just starting out to those who are already working, wanting to level up to the network level. So um, I've created this library that I didn't even realize I had. And during COVID, I started cleaning and organizing, not just in my house, but in my head. 
And I realized I have all these resources that have been shared with me over the years from such incredible mentors. And I'm like, this is a, this is something that needs to be shared. I don't, I can't use all of this anymore. So let me share it with uh, with the next generation or those new to the business. I love the name, by the way, of the course. That's awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Heidi, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you. Keep crushing it, man. I love, I love it. I stay in touch. Thank you guys all for tuning into today's show. A big thanks to Heidi for coming on today and making this an excellent episode. Definitely one of my favorite ones. She has a lot of great energy. If you guys want to thank Heidi, please go find her information below in the show notes. She's uh, in the middle of creating her website. She'll have that up soon. And she will be coming out with some courses where you guys could find more information out at the broadcasters lab. When that all comes up, I will be posting that as well in the future. I hope you guys all enjoy this episode. Have a great day.